0: Hey friends, welcome to the Weed, Seeds, and Beautiful Things podcast. A podcast that's not about growing marijuana or gardening, but is about living in radical faith and full submission to God. I'm sure glad you're here. The Weed, Seeds, and Beautiful Things podcast is hosted by me, Connie Lawson, and airs Mondays and Fridays on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to check me out on social media, both Instagram and Facebook at Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things. You can also go to our website at blog.weedseedsandbeautifulthings.com to leave your prayer requests or a comment and to read our blog whenever I write one, which is not very frequently because speaking is my jam, not writing. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this show started. guys. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Connie, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you my study in the book of Ruth. Now, we're definitely not going to get through the whole book today, just one or two verses, if that, but I am going to be sharing with you some of the insights that I have learned as I have been really studying and trying to take a deep dive into the book of Ruth. Now, I know Ruth and Esther are very common books. We we hear them a lot. We read them a lot. We study them a lot. And sometimes when we read scripture a lot or we use it abundantly in artwork or T-shirts or songs, it can start to lose a little bit of its power. Um, But that's just the human side of it. I know for a fact that when we open up the word of God and we read and we pray and we seek that he would show us himself in that scripture, no matter how many times we've heard it, we will always gain something fresh and new. Not that fresh and new is the point, but that the word of God is living and active. And there is always deeper layers and more um, value to be had from the scripture than what we assume or what we may be able to appreciate at the time that we're reading it. So anytime that we go back and continue to study the Word of God, He's going to give us more nuggets of truth and revelation about Him and His character and what He does in the world today. So I'm going to start by reading the first four verses of Ruth chapter 1. And then from there, I'm just going to share some facts that I've learned to bring the scripture alive for you, to give you some bits and pieces of factual uh, truth to kind of tie everything in and, and show you how it fits together, maybe in a way where you're like, huh, that's not just some random detail. That makes a little bit more sense. And then after that, I'm going to share with you my thoughts that I have gained as I have sought the Lord on these four verses. So in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the day when the judges ruled over, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Verse 2, The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. Verse 3, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Verse 4, these took Moabite wives The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Chileon died so that the woman was left without her sons and her husband. Okay, so some facts about this. The first fact is I have read this part of Ruth countless times and it's never seemed interesting to me. I've always kind of just... Okay, let's get on with it. Let's get to the good part where you know Ruth chooses to stay with Naomi, and then she gets this you know great husband Boaz. Blah blah blah. blah. But as I have really been trying to delight in the Word of the Lord uh, and understand context of of what is going on in this passage when it was written, why is the Lord telling us? about famines and sojourning in Moab and, you know, the sons and being their heritage of being Ephratites from Bethlehem. Why is this important? Why is it important to know that uh, Malon and Shalion took Moabite wives? Why does it matter that they stayed there 10 years, about 10 years? And so when you spend time, when I have spent time kind of wrestling with these questions and allowing myself to accept the fact that I don't know and that not knowing kind of, it kind of scares me when I look at the word of God and I realize that there's things that I don't know. It's kind of scary to try and figure out what scripture is actually saying. And it's scary because I think that there is such an emphasis and a pull to understand the Word of God in a correct way. And then when we are reading something that has a lot of context that we don't necessarily understand the meaning of in its fullness, we can get intimidated and scared and think, okay, well, I'm just going to back away from this. I'll just stick with the stuff that I know. But I can tell you most assuredly that the more that I have expressed to the Lord a desire to understand his word and a sense of hunger to have him show me and a willingness to spend some time on different things that I don't understand or I'm not grasping fully, And just continuing to take those things to the Lord and and ask for his wisdom. And I'm not at all saying that the Lord just interprets scripture audibly and tells me everything I want to know. There's an aspect of the Lord opening our internal eyes to be able to see things in scripture, pull things out to have a... uh, a curiosity for different terms or subjects within scripture. And then it's his gift to us, all of these different tools that we have for Bible study that we can go and we can look and we can learn what this word means or where it's located, why it's important culturally at that time. And when we start to do that, scripture begins to come alive. And so some of the facts regarding these four verses that I found out in my study is that this famine that happened was during the time, the period where the judges ruled over Israel. There wasn't a king, there were judges. And this specific famine in Ruth doesn't have a a time, like it It doesn't give you a distinct time. Now, there's a lot of, of thought as to when it would be, and there is a very good case in point for it being before King David and Solomon due to the lineage of Christ and where that all lines up. So there was this famine, and the famine was most people, most theologians and scholars agree that it was a form of judgment over Israel, for probably I would assume um, some form of idol worship or rebellion against God. And so God sends this famine into the land, the promised land that he gave his children. And so what we see is there's a man of of Bethlehem in Judah who went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Now, there's this famine. So this gentleman, this head of the house, um, decides we're going to go somewhere else where we can get food. And so he decides to go and to sojourn, which means to take a temporary stay somewhere else um, into the country of Moab. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important for this very reason. Moab was a wicked place. They worshipped two main false gods there, Baal of Peor and Chemosh. Chemosh was the... Kind of national god uh, of the Moabites. Little is known about him, but he was considered their supreme god. It's likely that his name means destroyer, subduer, or fish god. And in um, 1 Kings 11:7, Solomon, who's David's son, the wisest man ever to live, actually made a shrine to this false god, and he did that because of one of his wives. So, what we see is that this man, Elimelech, and his wife, Naomi, and their two children were in the promised land. They were living in that, um, under that covenant of blessing and protection that God gave the children of Israel. And so, when they were faced with a famine, a struggle, and a, a, a time of opposition, the Bible is very plain to point out that they didn't go to the Lord. They didn't seek his face. The, the head of this household, the Rimelech, he took his family outside of the will of God, outside of the promised land of a, of a place that even though it was under consequences and reprimand from God, they went outside of that To a wicked land that opposed the God of Israel. And scripture is very plain about that. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. There was opposition. There was a trial. And you could even say there was a consequence for sin. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. So essentially, what it's saying is there was a famine. We were in trouble for rebelling, and we went outside of that to a, a wicked land to try to escape this, this punishment, this famine that we were facing as a country, as a nation, but as a family. We went outside of God's um, plan and his desire into a wicked idol-worshiping place. And he took his wife and his two sons. This is important because what this shows me is one man's decision removed his entire family from the enclosure of faithfulness. And yes, it could be argued that the children of Israel weren't all that faithful. But that's not the point. The point is, it's just like the church today. There's a lot of uh negativity and bad things going on within the church because the church deals with sinful people. But in that same aspect, sinful people are can be saved people? Now we're not all saved, but I'm saying sinful people are saved people in this instance. And so when we as people that still struggle with sin that are saved go outside of the protection and the will of God to avoid either his sent consequences for our sin and rebellion, or if he sends a trial into our life or he allows opposition to come into our life, he is doing that with a divine reason. And we should never try to get around what God is doing for comfort's sake and especially not to indulge ourselves or to expose ourselves to wickedness and sin. And so this wasn't just a situation where this man decided, I'm, I'm going to do this to myself, but he ended up taking his entire family out of the safety of the faithfulness of God and the protection of God that was in the land, the promised land. And so then in in verse two, we're told. And so it's important to understand that when God puts something in our pathway, we need to not try to get around it. We need to prayerfully seek him. Is there something I need to repent of? Is there something I need to turn away from? Or is there something you're trying to teach me? It doesn't always have to be sin. Sometimes opposition and trial comes in our life to build character. Sometimes opposition and trial comes into our life on the verge of a breakthrough to a prayer or a blessing that you know we have been praying or that the Lord wants to give us. So the important thing is to remember I think Matthew Henry says it best in his commentary, and he says, It is folly to think of escaping that cross, which, being laid in our way, we ought to pick up. Changing our place is seldom mending it. And that's exactly what Elimelech did. The famine was a cross that was laid in his pathway, in his family's pathway. He should have picked it up. He should have asked the Lord, how do I carry this cross? What are you expecting of me? What do I need to do to repent of, to change? What are you wanting me, Lord, to do with this? How are you wanting me to handle this? And how do you want me to move forward in this? So three questions. What do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to learn from this? And how do I move forward in this? Trusting that the Lord would make that plain? But what he did was he tried to go outside of the will of God. And we'll see next time how that kind of ended up. Hey, I'm really glad that you're here and joining me for the podcast. I sure hope it's an encouragement to you. Please follow me on Facebook facebook and, and instagram at weed seeds and beautiful things and my website is under construction right now okay okay it's not under construction i took it down but i'm going to be getting a new one you know i'll tell you this um, website and optimization and everything else and analytics it'll give you a run for your money so i'm going to be trying to get up a new one that's um, better and, and easier to figure out and sweeter for the search engines in the world but until then i hope you'll follow me and message me on facebook or instagram Lead suits and beautiful things if you have a comment or a request for the show or a prayer request i'd love to pray for you be sure to share this with your family and friends thanks for being here and i'll see you next time